You're listening to This Land Radio. I'm Elliot Ramback. Blake Bailey writes serious books about serious writers. So far, he's written the biographies of three famous novelists, and he's working on his fourth. His books are dense. They're about 770 pages each, and the Pulitzer Prize Committee once called his work absorbing and impeccably researched. I recently spoke with Blake about his own memoir, which he just released. It's called The Splendid Things We Planned, A Family Portrait. Opposite the book's title page, there's an actual portrait of Blake's family. He began our conversation by describing this photograph. This was our Christmas card in 1976, and uh, we had never actually done um, a family portrait Christmas card before. It's interesting because there I am. I'm just 13. My mother, Marlise, uh, my father, Burke, um, and my brother, Scott, who must have been 16 at the time, and our two gorgeous um, St. Bernards, Bruno and Gretchen. Um, We look like the happiest family um, in the world, and yet we were about to be engulfed by horror (laughs) and, and already had our sorrows. The dogs would be dead within a couple of months, and, uh, and my brother would go off the deep end um, in a serious way. My brother was three years older than I, and uh, growing up, he was much better looking. He was athletic, and he spoke German. My mother is German. I never learned the language. But around mid-adolescence, he started getting into drugs uh, badly and um, became very erratic. Scott beat the absolute shit out of me. He was tall, he was muscular. I never forgot that. And, uh, And I made him pay for it down the road. He was capable of anything. He assaulted my mother. My mother tried and tried and tried to help Scott. She was uh, not the best mother when we were growing up. She did not want to be married to my father and vice versa. She was bored. She drank too much. She partied too much and just didn't create a very wholesome environment. Scott's later life was, was so ugly that that's the Scott I primarily remember. He was my enemy on some level. On another, more admirable, conscious level, um, he loved me deeply. It was the summer of 83. My brother was 23. I was 20. My brother was in the midst of one of his estrangements from our family. He was living in the usual shithole apartment in downtown Oklahoma City. He worked at this restaurant where he had started as a waiter and been demoted to a busboy. My mother wanted me to have lunch with him and uh, try to effect a reconciliation between him and my father. I went. Scott was not drunk, but getting that way. And he said some very hard things about our father. That he was a phony, that he had been an abusive parent, the usual bitter, resentful bullshit that an addict spews. And he tackled me in the parking lot. 
he tackled me again. Because he didn't want me to leave. Scott began to cry. And uh, some people, like some burly dishwashers, you know, came and peeled him off of me. They said, you've got to get Scott out of here. The manager's going to see this and he'll be fired. Even at his worst, we had this rapport. Um, we had an identical sense of humor. To this day, I laugh at weird shit and uh, realize that there is not a soul on the planet who would have laughed at the same thing except my brother. There's a scene in my book. My, my mother um, learns that Scott has killed himself in jail. I mean, is there any more sordid way um, to die? And the jail chaplain calls my mother in the middle of the night to tell her, you know, Mrs. Bailey, I'm so sorry to tell you that your son is dead. My mother woke up, the phone woke her up, and she had terrible stomach cramps. And uh, so she staggered to the toilet, you know, with a cordless phone and just exploded. <laughs> and the chaplain sort of heard this and said, um, Mrs. Bailey? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's get on our knees and pray for your son. Of course, my mother couldn't get on her knees <laughs> under the circumstances and said, okay, I'm on my knees. <laughs> Whenever she tells the story, she bursts out laughing. Her son's dead. It's a very different process writing this memoir um, from what I do with biographies. In this case, my perspective was skewed by a lot of hard feelings about my brother and my family. I could see how maybe some people who were depicted in the book might be sort of angry um, <laughs> about how they were depicted, or um, maybe, maybe not like straight anger, but like really like mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, if you want to write a book like this and you're worried about hurting people's feelings, you need to be in a different business. My only obligation is to the truth. And what I thought was pertinent to this book, I put in. Do you have any notes or diaries um, that you referred back to? Were you writing any of this down as it happened and were you able to use any of that? Um, almost entirely uh, my resource was my own very subjective memory. Um, that said, I really only needed help when it was a, an episode that wholly excluded me. If I had some vantage on what happened, then I think I, I nailed it. Seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. Guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. You just listened to a This Land Press production. Today's episode was produced by me, Elliot Rambach, and Abby Wendell. Thanks to KOSU and OETA for providing our studio space, and thanks also to Jeff Martin at Booksmart Tulsa. At This Land Magazine, we've been telling stories about some of the most important writers from this part of the country. We recently celebrated the Ralph Ellison Centennial, and this month we've devoted an entire issue to John Steinbeck's novel, The Grapes of Wrath. 
To see Middle America through the eyes of some of its most important writers and artists, you can subscribe to our magazine or visit thislampress.com. Only now I see how the years ran away Yesterday when I was young So many happy songs were waiting to be sung So many wild pleasures lay in store for me and so much pain my dazzled eyes refused to see I ran so fast that time and youth at last ran out I never stopped to think what life was all about and every conversation I can now recall concerns itself with me and nothing else at all